the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Imago Day, What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Y'all good? Yeah, I am telling you, I am, uh, as I would say in Mississippi, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here today. <laughs> Uh, I bet you never heard that in Portland before in your life, have you? Um, you know, this is my first time being here in Portland, uh, so I'm just excited, excited to be here at Imago Day. I've heard many amazing things about uh, this church, uh, Pastor Rick, an amazing team here, and of course my, my homeboy Eric, just some just great great testimonies of what God is doing here in Portland. So it's a privilege and an honor for me to be here. Uh, I'm telling you, Portland, man, it's a, um, it's a different kind of city. Like, I... I've I never been here. We went to the street fair, the, the Saturday market thing yesterday, so we landed. And I, did, I spent most of the day doing this, like. <laughs> did you see, man? Did you see that? Did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. Isn't it? Like, like, it's so cool to be here. But when I think about uh, my just cultural makeup, uh, I am from Mississippi, which is just like Portland. Um, <laughs> And then I've been living the last seven, eight years in Southern California, which I hear you guys love Southern California in Portland. Uh, so there's, there's nothing that makes sense about me being here other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the beautiful thing about the gospel and the good news that we get a chance to talk about today is it brings people together that don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike. People together that have no business being together. As I look at me being a black man from Mississippi living in Southern California, we ain't got no business being together today. (sighs) But the gospel of Jesus Christ brings people together. Um, The book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, it talks about how every tribe, every nation, every race, every tongue will come together and declare worthy is the Lamb of God. And I'm convinced that we ain't got to wait till we get to heaven to experience it. We can experience the beauty of diversity now. I don't know about you. Uh, But heaven won't have a white section or a black section or an Asian section or a Latino section or a Portland section. Uh, uh, Although if anybody deserved a section, it would be Portland. Uh, uh, You from the Portland section, you go on down there. Uh, But it's it's not going to be that. We're not going to have sections off. We will all come together with one voice and declare the greatness of God. Parenthetically, though, if they did have sections, you know, the black section, the music would be off the chain. You know that, don't you? God be like, God be like, man, I'm I'm going to the black section tonight, man. I'm going to Tupac gonna be on that giant. I'm going to. Turns out there is a heaven for a gangster after all. Um, but I am I am so glad to be here to celebrate the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it brings us together and changes us for His glory. Amen. Amen. With that, would you meet me in the book of Exodus, chapter thirty-two? As we open up God's word and declare the greatness of this gospel. Exodus chapter 32, begin reading at verse 1, going down to verse 8. Hear these words of our father. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to around Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. 
As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early. And the next day they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Uh, Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege to stand before this great congregation and declare the richness of your, of your glory this morning. Now, Father, I pray that you would tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Would you turn our hearts to you so that we might experience the fullness of what you have for us this morning? God, it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, Father. Speak through my vocal cords those things you'd have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Would you have your way in this place today? In Jesus' name. Amen. We find in our story the children of Israel. Uh, By now, they've come uh, and experienced some of the greatest miracles of all time. This is the same group. If you're not familiar with the Bible story, maybe you're familiar with the Prince of Egypt. Any Prince of Egypt folk? uh, They just played in the Mississippi? Okay, all right, never mind. Um, Well, well, we're right past the scene where Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston sings. um, Okay, y'all saw it, okay. Okay. Moses is gone on commission by God to set the children of Israel free from captivity from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. In that, we see some of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. Uh, we see them walking on dry land through the Red Sea. We, we see Moses hearing a burning bush speak to him uh, and giving him instruction. We see these great, amazing miracles. And then they go up and then Moses has that moment uh, where he goes up into the mountain and he receives the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, number one being, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Over the next few moments, I'd love to argue the point that in order to break the other nine commandments, you have to at first break number one. In order to keep the other nine, you have to at first keep number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the moment you allow other gods to control your life, you make way for the other nine commandments to be broken. So we can argue that there is really one sin 
beneath all other sin. And that, my friend, is the sin of idolatry. Our worshiping of other gods, our stepping back and not acknowledging that there's one true God, Jesus the Christ, but allowing room for idols to hover. I know some of you are saying, Albert, you may be from Mississippi, you may be from Southern California, maybe you've misread Portland. We don't have golden calves in our living rooms. Uh, we don't have golden calves in our front yards. Uh, this is going to be a waste of a sermon, Albert, if you, if you come to preach against golden calves. Bef- before you theologically dismiss me prematurely, I-, I encourage you, stick with me. I'm not talking about golden calves in the front yard. I'm not talking about joining the Chick-fil-A campaign. Um, you know, more be- never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the calves, the images, the idols that show up not in our living room, but in our heart. Those things that we're apt to bow down and worship that dwell within. You're not getting it, let me help you. Um, The the children of Israel, uh, Moses has gone up now for the second time and God and Moses, they're doing their glory thing and and, and, and they're up there and the children of Israel, how can I say, they, they find themselves growing weary. They, they find themselves, because they, they're, they're waiting on Moses. They, the children of Israel find themselves doing this. I mean, what are you? And after a while of waiting on God and Moses, they grew frustrated and they came up with another plan. Before we get started, let me just ask a question. What do, you, what do you do with a God who, who doesn't follow your instructions? What, 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 what do you do with a God who doesn't move according to your timetable? What, what do you do with a God who doesn't, who doesn't, uh, who, who doesn't follow your detailed outline? I, I, know, I know you call it prayer requests, but come on, let's be honest. Your detailed outline. This is all the stuff I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. This is when I want you to do it. This is where I want you to do it. And this is what I want to experience when you do it. What, what do you do with a God who goes off script? I, I live in L.A. in Hollywood. Everybody's got a script. Everybody wants to do a movie. Everybody got, wants to do an album. Everybody got, so everybody wants to be a director. Everybody wants to be a producer. So you got all those dynamics. What do you do with, the, with a God who doesn't follow the script? Who goes off the page? Freestyles, if you will. Uh, I'm sorry, freestyle, that's a hip-hop terminology for (laughs) spontaneously rhyming at will. Uh, Freestyling. Uh, uh, Goes off and does his own thing. What do you do with with the, here it is, what do you do with a disobedient God? God who does what he wants. If you're the children of Israel, I'll tell you what you do. When you have a disobedient God, the children of Israel, they replaced him. Uh, They go to Aaron and they say, We need a God who's here. We need a God who's present. We need a God who we can literally push around. 
We, we need a God who can move on our terms. We need a God who can move according to our time. We, can, we need a God who move according to our pace, our desires. We need a God who we can tell what to do because this disobedient God has not responded. So we need to replace him with our own God, a God we can push around. A- a- anybody ever been there? Any, anybody ever got frustrated with God and said, let me replace him? Ah, see, see, we're so politically correct. We, we wouldn't do it like that, but we, we do it all the time. Uh, it, it's like this. Um, we, we, have, we have God and we have our, our expectations. We got who we want God to be and how we want him to operate in our life. And we have this, 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 this dynamic, this relational dynamic. Every relationship has a dynamic. All relationships have my, me and my wife. We, the dynamic of our relationship is she tells me what to do and I do it. That's the dynamic of our relationship. Every relationship has its own dynamic. Some of us, we have this relationship, this dynamic with God. It's like this. Sir, would you come here? Yeah, let me, help me out, sir. It's not your first time here, is it? It is? Really? Oh, welcome. No, 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 no. Welcome. It's good. It's going to be great. All right. It's mine too. We, both of us may not be back next week. What's your name? Joe. Joe? All right. Joe, you're going to be Jesus. All right? That's a, that's a heck of an upgrade for a Sunday at church. You know what I'm saying? You're going home with Jesus today. All right? All right? So, so Joe, I, I, I just... We, we treat Joe, Joe, Joe as Jesus, and we tell Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be on the throne of my life. I want you to be in full control. I want you to have full authority over my life. I want you to run everything. I surrender to you. Your power is greater than mine. I surrender to you. Jesus, have full control of my life. And we start looking at our life, and Jesus, my life is going great. Jesus, this is going so good. Jesus, I'm so thankful. We'll, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. So, so Jesus, Jesus, my life is going so good. Jesus, I mean, we've been walking together and it's been so good. God, Jesus, I just thank you for being in so control of my life. This is so good. Jesus, I preach. Whoa, 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 whoa. My boss want to talk to me? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I, Jesus, I, I never been in and talked to the boss before. Jesus, this is, this may not go. Oh, you laying all you downsizing? Oh, man, oh, Jesus, I lost my job. Jesus, I need, a, I need another job. Oh, I got to got an interview. Jesus, I got a new New job, high benefits? I didn't even have benefits at my last job. Obamacare, I'm back. Jesus, all right, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, and this is my passion. I love doing this. Jesus, my job is going so well. Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, everything's been going so great. Got, got a, got a, my test results came back there. I got a doctor's appointment. Oh, Lord, Jesus, 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 please. Jesus, I can't, I can't afford to be sick. I just got this new job. And Jesus, please, Jesus, the, te- oh, the test results are negative. I'm healthy. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you always make ways out of noise. You do so good, Jesus. You're always helping. Jesus, you know, I really tired of being single, Jesus. I really love a relationship, Jesus. I need a, Jesus, would you, would you bless me with a relationship, Jesus? Jesus, would you just come and, wait, 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 wait. Let me pick her out first. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you would pick. Uh, <laughs> Let me pick, okay, okay, I like her. Yeah, yeah, come here, let me, let me get it. Yeah, come here. All right, Lucretia, okay, girl, okay. <laughs> Jesus, would you, bless, would you bless me and Lucretia's relationship? Now that I got her here, would you bless it? Uh, that, that, would you, and uh, Jesus, and she, she compliments me so well. This, is, this relationship is going great. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa, huh, whoa, Lucretia, crazy. Jesus, no, Lord Jesus. I need you to get rid of Lucretia, Lord. Get rid of her. Put her out of here, Lord. Rebuke Lucretia, Jesus.
Do you, do you see what we do? <laughs> see what we do? As if he's some kind of co-writer. As if he's a consultant at best. Uh, Jesus, I got the script. I just need you to initial at the bottom to sign off on it. And, and I got stuff that you like in the script. I got all kinds of stuff that you like, like my kids. I want my kids to grow up. I want them to be healthy. Jesus, you like health. You heal people. Uh, Jesus, I want, I want my kids to be all virgins. You like virgins. Your mom was a virgin. Um, you know, it's like, it's like I got all the stuff that you like, all the stuff that you appreciate. I, I got stuff that you like in here. If you, just, if you just initial at the bottom the stuff I have, or, or some of us, we're too, we, we know better, right? We, we never ask Jesus to get up off the throne. Come on, who, who do we think we are? We never ask him to get up. We just ask him to scoot over a little bit. Would you just scoot over a little bit? We can both just, hold on, just scoot over. Let me, okay, let me get, all right. Okay, yeah. All right, there you go. Okay, Jesus. But Jesus, don't turn your back to me. That's awkward. Kind of, kind of sits inside. It's kind of, yeah. Anybody don't take long to say this, this, ain't, this ain't a good idea. Like, <laughs> this stool wasn't designed for both of us, right? That's what Jesus is saying to you and I. Us trying to co-partner, trying to co-parent, trying to co-sign, trying to... It's, I, I didn't come die on the cross to negotiate terms with you. I didn't come die on the cross and say, let me just scoot over so you can get a little piece of, of the glory. He says, no, 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 no. I didn't come to partner with you. I've come to be your heavenly father. I've come to be your savior. My job is to try to have him scoot over. My job is to surrender and to trust him with everything and recognize he's greater than I am. His view is better than I can see. I can trust him because his hands are strong. And he can carry me through anything that comes my way. I've got to trust him with everything. And some of us may be in stages of our life where we're asking Jesus to scoot over because this idea of trusting him, he's way too disobedient. He's way too wayward. And Jesus seems to be doing his own thing. Although I keep telling him time after 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 time. I've been praying the same prayer request for five years, but he's not listening. And in our frustration, we either ask him to get up, let's replace him, or we ask him to scoot over so we can co-labor together. What do you do with a disobedient God? I'm telling you, God didn't come. Jesus didn't die on the cross, give his life. It was born again on the third day and got up with all power in his hands for you to now sit around and tell him what to do. He's not that kind of God. Thank you, Joe. Eric, I think, I think he should get a free T-shirt for at least you're doing that. All right? He should get a free T-shirt. Come to church next week, you might get a free car. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Friends, what I want to talk about is this dynamic, this relationship that we have with with God and how we see him. Because if we're not careful, he can become this guy that we just try to negotiate terms with, that we try to make a deal with, that we're just trying to keep happy so he doesn't let stuff explode. Or if I just work hard, if I just keep him happy, then cancer may not come to my house. That, that's not who he is. And in those moments of frustration, we find ourselves going back to our ways of Egypt, going back to what's familiar at the expense of the one who was faithful. 
The children of Israel in this moment where God seemed disobedient, where he wasn't following their instructions, what did they do? They went back to what was familiar. They went back to their way of Egypt. They said, let us build another God. A God that we can tell what to do. A God that we can push around. Let us build another God. And Aaron gave them instructions. What were the instructions? He says, reach for the gold. It's on your sons and your daughters and your wives. They were longing for God. Desiring God. But they reached for gold. Brothers and sisters, Who are you longing for and what are you reaching for? And do you know the difference between the two? They were longing to be with God, but they reached for gold because gold was familiar. It was easily accessible. When you find yourself in these moments where God seems distant, where, you can, where, you, where you're trying to trust him, but you can't trace him. You don't know where he is. You don't know what he's up to. And in this moment of frustration, you find yourself really longing for the greatness of God, but you reach for what's so accessible and what's so familiar. I, I long to be known by God. I long to be loved by God. I long for God to, to know me in all the ways that I can be known. I'm, I'm longing for God, but I'll reach for pornography. Because pornography is so much easy, so easily accessed. But I'm really longing for connection. I'm really longing for intimacy, intimacy into me, see, see into me. I want to know that you can see into me, all of me, and still love all of me in spite of all of me. Did, did, did you get that? That was good. I'm going to say that again. That was good. <laughs> Intimacy, see into me. I want to know that you can see into me, know all of me, and still love all of me in spite of all of me. Can you see the good, the bad, and the ugly and not run away? I'm telling you, you're longing for something that only God can give you. Only God. God says, I want to know you. I want to, I, I, I know you. I designed you. I created you. I made you. I know all of you, and I know all of you. I mean, I know all of you. Watch this, though. This is how you know this God is good, and I love you. Your good works didn't get you to me. And your failures won't take you away from me. I love you. Your work, your righteousness didn't get you here. And your failure, your guilt and shame ain't going to get you kicked out. I love you. I know I said ain't going to get you kicked out. It's bad English, but it's great theology. <laughs> but we'll find ourselves in those moments reaching for the things of this world, reaching for pornography, reaching for the, when, when we're really longing for God to satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. We find ourselves reaching for a relationship, going from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, hoping that somehow it answers or meets the need uh, of, of, of the longings of my soul in some kind of way, only to find yourself coming up empty every time. This is where I argue the, Jerry, the, 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 the theology of Jerry Maguire messes us up. Albert, what are you talking about? The theology of Jerry Maguire messes up. I know it's a romantic scene. I know it's powerful. You cried, I cried, all God's children cried. But when he walks in the room and says, I'm looking for my wife, 
Then she stands up and says, oh, tonight we had a big night and you, I love you, and you complete me. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I know that's a great scene. I know it's a great moment, but it's terrible theology. No man or no woman can complete you. You are completed by Jesus Christ and what he's done and the truth of the gospel in your life. You are completed by Christ and Christ alone. Only he can complete you. And then you bring your completed self into a relationship with someone else who is also completed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a work for God. But if we, I don't, idol is a good thing or a bad thing that, that gets savior-like attributes. Did you get that? Idols can be good things or bad things that, that we look to to save us. And if you're not careful, you look to a relationship to now save me. You, you look to people to complete me when God is saying, uh-oh, hello, hoo-hoo, that's, that's my job. That's what I do. And you will look at something or someone to save you or complete you. And you will find yourself disappointed time and time again. Because that job is above their pay grade. Because Jesus Christ on the cross paid the price to complete you. And all they did was buy you a hamburger. Like, huh? Jesus a number three combo meal. Jesus a number three combo meal. It's like, come on, man. Let's get Jesus. And then get a number three combo meal. What are you longing for and what are you reaching for? Uh, some of us, we reach for more money because somehow we think, man, if I just had another, if I just had another, another bump, another raise, if I just had more, more money, then somehow everything would be all right. So we begin to bow at the altar of greed, bow at the altar of money, thinking somehow that more money is going to save us. If you talk to anybody, I never forget, I was talking to a millionaire and she said, Albert, you know what I wanted after I made my first million? Another million. As if to say enough is really never enough. And there's always more. And you will lay your head to pillow thinking that if I had more money, then I'll have security. But you don't realize that the security that you long for is a security that comes exclusively from from God and from God alone. So what are you reaching for? And what are you longing for? Are are you reaching for relationships with people? Are, Are you reaching for more money? Are you reaching for people's approval? You, you know, the person that's, that's always looking to try to get a compliment. All, always looking. They're putting on their outfit. You're getting dressed with somebody else in mind, and they're not even thinking about you. Are they, man, they're going to they gonna like this. Although in Portland, that, that's probably a little different um, <laughs> than um, in Southern California. Uh, just uh, like a little bit, like a, a little bit. Um, are, you a, are you a control freak? I know you don't call it that. You call it, I like to be organized, well-prepared. I like to anticipate the needs of the day. But everyone else, when you're not in the room, call it control freak. <laughs> Some of you are sitting control freaks right now. That's why you're looking straight ahead. You're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. And I look. But he is talking about you, but I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Oh, my God. That is so my wife. That is so you. But I'm not going to say anything right now. I'm just going to look straight ahead. Because you feel like if I don't do it, if I don't do it, if, it's gonna, if, I, if I gotta do it, if, it's, if, if I don't do it, it's what? And I said, it's, it's what? 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 What's gonna happen? If you don't do it, what? Is the world gonna come to the end? What? 
the kids don't make it to the game, what? What's going to happen? Okay, here's all the control freaks. Here's your deliverance right now. Put put it down, date it. It's about to happen right now. (laughs) If you don't believe, you can't live without your to-do list. Die. What? (laughs) Yeah, let's die. Go ahead. At an appropriate time, in a very Christian, lovingly way, die. You know what happens when you die? People will come together. They'll have a service. Anything like they do in Mississippi, they'll bring you a whole lot of food, a whole lot of meals over, have a memorial service. Rick McKinley will probably speak at it. Uh, you definitely don't want me to come back because I probably wouldn't know you. That would be awkward. Um, <laughs> and around Tuesday, Wednesday, people will go back to work. Who are we kidding? Come on, Monday. People go back to work, and life kind of goes on. And that that you was living for, you realize it lives without you. That was good. I'm going to say that one again. That that you were living for. If I don't do it, I mean, who's going to do it? If I'm not there, this is going to... And all of that anxiety that you created for yourself, you realize that when you're not here, it just kind of keeps on going on. So let's tell the truth. It's not about control at all. It's, it's about you longing for God and longing for a Savior. And you not trusting the Savior with everything. Because at the end of the day, you feel like it has to be your way. It has to be under your control because you're afraid of what it would look like for you to step back and actually trust God, not with your works, but with your heart. For you to trust God, not with your works and not with all the stuff you do. God, I'm just giving you all this stuff to work with. I'm just doing all this stuff. God's got plenty of stuff to work with because I'm doing all the work. What would it mean for you to step back from your work, rest in the work that Christ has completed, and allow God to lead your family. Allow God to provide for the family. Come on, Albert, what do you mean? So so I'm just going to sleep in on Monday and not go to work? No, 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 no. It's not about about you doing a to-do list, but it's about what your to-do list does to you. That was good. Somebody ought to tweet that one. I'm going to say that again to this side. It's not about you doing your to-do list, but it's what your to-do list does to you. Does it push you to a place of anxiety? where you're not walking in faith, but you're now running in fear? What would it mean for you to long for God to be a savior and to be in full control and for you to reach for that God and allow him to be savior and full control? I'll close with this. It's like this. Um, we, we long for we reach for, we, we long for, we reach for. What does it mean for us to reach for that that we're longing for and to find the full satisfaction of who Jesus Christ is in our life? Story of Max Licato, he tells of Punchinello. It's a children's book story. We read it to our kids all the time, but I've kind of remixed it a little bit. I'm like Diddy, Diddy Pop, Pop Diddy, Puff Daddy. I'm just kind of doing... <laughs> doing my own Imago Day remix. So it's a story of these little wicker people. And these wicker people are made out of this finished wood. Um, and they had their own economy, their own system of how the world worked. And how the world worked was if you did really, really well and if you accomplished really great tasks, you get a star. Um, if, you, if you would run really fast and you came in first place, you'll get a star. If you, if you jump really, really high and you jump the highest, then you'd give it a, get a star. But the flip side of that is if you performed poorly, you would get a dot. So there was this little boy. He had all ambition but no talent at all. So he'd run, try to come in first place, but he'd come in last and 
they give him a dot. He'd try to be the the highest jumper and he'd jump, but he'd fall and scratch up his wood and they'd give him a dot. After a while, y'all, he had so many dots, they started giving him dots for having so many dots. One day, he saw this this girl come in and I call her this this fine wicker woman. Some, some folk might call her a brick house, uh, which would be awkward because he's made out of wood. Uh, but, uh, but go with me here. Go with me. Uh, she, she comes and she doesn't, she doesn't have any stars or any dots. She's got this fine finish, polished, and they see her. And somebody goes up to her right away. And, and because she looks so good, they, they, put a, they put a star on her and the star fell off. And they looked in amazement. He tried to put the star back on her and it fell off again. And so finally in his frustration, he put a dot and he gave her a dot and the dot fell off. Well, the little boy with so many dots looked amazed. So he goes up to her and says, how did you do that? And she says, do you really want to know? He says, look at me. She says, okay, meet me here first thing in the morning and I'll show you how. So he's there first thing in the morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, just bouncing, excited. She comes and she says, I'm about to take you to the wicker maker's house. His head immediately dropped. He said, I can't can't go to the wicker maker's house looking like this. Look at me. Look at all these dots. Look at all these scratches. Look at all these bruises. I can't let the wicker maker see me like this. He says, but you have to go. I've already told him that you're coming. He's waiting on you. So reluctantly, he says, all right, I'll go. And he goes and he almost made it. He got to the door and all of a sudden he was overwhelmed at what he looked like and what the wicker maker would see. So he started to turn around and just leave. He says, I can't do it. And when he turned around, the wicker maker's voice came out of nowhere and he said, come in, my son. I've been waiting on you. The little boy turned around and went inside of the wicker maker's house and he was amazed and overwhelmed at all of the beauty and the splendor and the wicker maker picked him up and set him on the stool and they began to talk and exchange stories and they laughed and they cried as they conversed for hours. They began to have just this amazing conversation and then the wicker maker said it. He said, I want you to come back here and meet with me every morning. The little boy's eyes lit up. He says, every morning? He says, yes, every morning. So he gets down and he's walking out of the house and he looks back and he says, well, I'll, I'll see you in the morning. The wicker maker says, I can't wait. And the boy turns, walks away, and when he turns, a dot falls off. Because in the presence of the wicker maker, The dots and the stars of this world don't matter. The things that the world would try to put on you, the things that the world would try to tag you with, it just falls off in the presence of the wicker maker. Albert Boyd from Mississippi, what are you trying to tell us today? I'm trying to tell you in the presence of the almighty God, the one triune God, Jesus the Christ, the one who paid the price so that you might live this life. He says, I've invited you into my presence. And in my presence, the guilt, the shame, the dots of this world, they seem to fall off. And the self-righteousness, the pride, the arrogance of this world just seems to fall off. And in my presence, I change you. In my presence, I transform you. In my presence, I make you more like me. 
So all you got to do is lean in. Don't default back to the things of this world. Don't go reaching for the dots and the stars of this world. But I want you to reach. You have access through Jesus Christ. You have access to reach for the one that you're longing for. We're longing for God. What would it mean in your life for you to reach for him? What would it mean for you to step back and not reach for the lust and pornography, not reach for the addiction-driven drug habit, not reach for the alcohol, not reach for the gossip, not reach from the insecurity, not reach for all the things of this world, but what would it mean for you to reach for the one that you're longing for? What would it mean for you to reach for God? You'll find out that the God that you're longing for has been longing and reaching for you. What do you do with a disobedient God? You trust him. You wait for him. And you reach for him. Because he's the one you've been longing for. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. Father, I don't know where we are in this room and I don't know what, how, what, what things we've come that we've been reaching for in our own life. What things we come reaching for in our life. Well, Father, I pray that by your grace, through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, today we can reach for the one that we long for. Some of us have come, Father, stained with the dots of this world. Some of us have come stained with the stars, the self-righteousness, the pride, the arrogance. Father, I pray that in your presence all these things will fall away. As we come back to the table, the thing that centers us together, that we're reminded of not the wicker maker, but the creator of all things, who that who has extended us a divine invitation to come into his presence and be transformed by the good news of the gospel. Father, we thank you for being a disobedient God, a God who doesn't follow our instructions, but a God in whom we are to follow. We pray like Jesus prayed in the garden, Not our will, but your will be done. This God, we won't replace. We will follow and trust him. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.